Mammon. What a word. The more I say it, the more the word feels like something very unpleasant in my mouth. The way it is used in scripture speaks of more than just money, which is what most of us have been taught. More than money or things, it is a heart posture. A soul, focus, and money is more a result than a cause. A few years ago, the Lord began speaking to me of mammon, what it means, how it impacts things, and why. If Christians are so taken with the Lord, why can we get so entangled with this ugly thing, mammon? It is a real golden calf of sorts. Getting in bed with mammon eventually makes us someone of constant sorrows. After all, without Jesus, there is no real happiness in the end. And yes, I realize happy is a very subjective word. Mammon elevates us in the moment. It spikes and then tails off in a negative direction. It starts high and then the thrill deteriorates until the next high, like drug addiction. We spend so much time trying to get back that initial spike of exhilaration, and as a result, little by little, we pursue our devotion to stuff and things, or for some, maybe, the possibilities of fame and power. But it never quite becomes as satisfying and delicious as the first time we encountered mammon. In the days of old, if a man was caught being disobedient to a cruel lord of the land, sometimes the master would have a dead body tied to the living man, and through contagion, which is the communication of disease by direct or indirect contact of dead things with living things, the man would eventually die a terrible death. If we hold mammon to ourselves, it will eat a hole in our pocket. And upon laying against us, all the terrible soul sicknesses will begin to invade us, inserting themselves into our thinking, making us become dull-eared, dim-eyed, and thick-skinned toward the Lord. <laughs> and that is not good. It won't be long until we are distant from God, and we'll wonder how we got so far from home never meaning to have become so removed, yet there we are. Mammon is sneaky and insidious, and hell knows mankind can easily get sucked into an addiction to it. This is Outposts, a semi-live broadcast from a rural cafe. Go out Highway 25, turn on to Old Field Road. Before you get to the bridge across the Oklawaha River, take a left and go to the end of the gravel road. You'll know you're getting close when you start smelling the flowers near the big pines and long, cascading pastures beside the still water. You'll begin to see the bright lights of the cafe, beautiful for its situation with all things considered. This evening's topic is mammon, absorbing and grave, personified and opposed 
to God. Sit back, tap your toe, and dream a little, and I'll be right back. sounds like something I want no part of. The Lord calls it a way of death. As previously mentioned, it is absorbing, grave, insidious, personified, and opposed to God. Cunning and deceitful, it looks good at first and reassures us all things are well as we are slowly swallowed alive down the vortex of the never-ending gullet of a world without God. As a child playing with a very dangerous toy, the Lord says to us specifically and plainly, Don't touch it. Mammon and all that it represents is bad for you and everything in the sphere of your influence. Put it down and don't handle it. Mammon can easily be represented by the character Gollum in the Lord of the Rings trilogy when coveting the One Ring calling it My Precious. Early on, believers in Christ began to use the word Mammon in a way that expressed contempt and disapproval. It also was used in reference to gluttony, excessive materialism, greed and unjust worldly gain. Among Mammon's subset of qualities is covetousness, which says, I want what I have and what you have too. Covetousness is idolatry because Mammon is idolatry at its core. Colossians 3.5 And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. Those words, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy is the foundational attitude or heart posture representing the idea of mammon. Yeah, go ahead. Say the word to yourself a few times. Mm -hmm. Feel the way your mouth makes the letters. The word has a subtle little stop in the middle, meaning you've got to stop saying one thing to start saying something else. To me, it's just ugly to say out loud. More importantly, 
Watch the vision in your head when you say the word. Slowly, several more times. I don't know about you, but I see dark clouds, encroaching dire gravity. Weights, not wings, which sing us a lullaby to doze us off while regret grows gently around our feet, binding up our courage and growing roots through the foundations of our confidence. It is like a dark, convoluted path that is riveting to our soul. Mammon finds life in us like a seed planted in a rock wall. When it grows, roots break down our barriers and eventually tumble our fortress defenses. The use of the word isn't so much about what you've got, but more what you trust in. The word comes with a leaning toward vices which spring from idolatry and are peculiar to its practices. Another word that comes to mind is avarice. Mammon breeds covetousness and avarice. Hear this. Friends, these are the days of the golden calf, something to worship other than the Lord. Glittering, shiny, just dazzling, and many of us get so lost in the dazzle. The dazzle of money, eye candy dazzle, Everything, even architecture, is just dazzling and hypnotic. Everything and everyone is just beautiful and sparkling. Dazzling, I tell you, just dazzling. Colossians 3, verse 5. As translated by Kenneth Woost, a noted Christian New Testament Greek scholar of the mid-20th century, and it reads, By a once-and-for-all act, and at once, Put to death your members which are upon the earth, fornication, impurity, depraved passion, wicked craving, and avarice which is of such a nature as to be idolatry. There should be an incredibly poisonous snake named avarice which, when bitten, we die an unhalting, slow, agonizing death by which only the blood of Jesus can arrest its continual march to stopping our hearts. The root word for mammon comes from a Hebrew word which means your treasure which you lay up or store up. Yeah, it's the same root word for what Isaiah 33.6 calls treasure. This is important to understand. A literal translation of the word treasure means the head and heart are connected by the things we pursue. Did you get that? The word treasure means the head and heart are connected by the things we pursue. That's pretty big stuff. We all realize there is nothing wrong with treasure. But when our treasure becomes our God, yeah, now we have a problem. The obsession with greed and treasure was so great, many early believers held mammon to be personified as a demon. It was seen as just that powerful. Mammon. When we are near God, there is no room for the subtle and corrupt things of the world to get a grip in us to grow. But when we are far from the Lord, the world inserts itself into our thinking through the cracks in our character, like a snake in the grass. 
It just slips along until it starts influencing all our thinking. Mammon is about who or what you have confidence in. And in the case of Luke 16, 13, Jesus counsels us to either be on the left or be on the right. But we can't be in both places at the same time. In a believer, mammon breeds chaos. The world Babylon is first used in 1 Kings 17.24, literally meaning confusion and chaos. People who try to do both grace and law with one foot in the New Testament and one in the Old have a heart of Babylon or confusion. And you know, we can't do the law and grace at the same time. It'll tear us in half. 1 Corinthians 15.56 says the strength of sin is the law. And if we have tasted the grace of God which came by Jesus Christ, yet we have gone back to doing the rules in hopes of getting it right enough to be accepted by God, then according to Galatians 5.4 we have gone backwards and lost our hold on grace. I think Babylon and Mammon live on the same street and our close neighbors. Luke 16.13 No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Serving the Lord requires the surrender of our worldly ways, humility to get low, and the relinquishing of our past lives for a better one which he will lead us into. This world we live in beckons us to live in such a way our attitude is, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Hmm. So don't worry about anything, you'll be dead soon, so what does it matter? Right? The Lord says in Proverbs 14:12, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. God doesn't ask for our heart so he can prevent us from having good things, but so he can position us to actually have good things which cause us to live, not die. Get it? That is live, not die. Jeremiah 24, 7 Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, 
therefore they shall return to me with their whole heart. Love says, give me your heart. Mammon says, no, give it to me. In Jeremiah 24-7, there is a word that is the twelfth most used verb in the Old Testament. It is the word, return. And better than any other verb, it combines in itself the two requisites of repentance, to turn from evil and to turn toward the good, and that is godly good, not to just good as the world understands. The Lord beckons to us to give him our heart, yet the world we live in croons to us to join in its dark, godless state and leave the Lord out of everything we do. If Mammon and Avarice were a large corporate service provider, I think their advertisements and sales pitch would sound like this. We at Mammon and Company thrive on facilitating a belief system which serves people's needs right away. Most have a mortgage, a family, and according to them, an extremely demanding job. People don't want a religion that complicates their lives with unreasonable ethical and moral demands. Mammon and Company has done the research. We find that God requires a huge amount of commitment concerning things like single deity clauses, compulsory goodness, and a never-ending litany of over-spiritualized, mystifying mumbo-jumbo. It's no wonder people are switching over to Mammon and Company. We know we aren't the biggest player in the spiritual race, but our ability to deliver on our promises are, well, unique and our moral flexibility is absolutely unmatchable. Why? Because you deserve to enjoy life guilt-free. Think Mammon and Company. Of course, that was a parody. But can you hear the insidious, near-reasonableness of the creative advertisement? That is, if you don't think about it, letting the world appeal to your needs, pointing out how you don't have what you want, and that they can fulfill all your needs, just give mammon your heart. Wow. You know, love says, give me your heart. Mammon greedily says, no, give it to me.
Love says, be content with what you've got. Mammon says, get everything you can by hook or crook. Where is your treasure? Jesus said in Luke 12:34, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends, let us cease our efforts to gain prominence, positions, titles, possessions, manufactured personas, and a greedy grabbing for the supernatural. It is the Lord's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Stop being afraid. It is His choice to give it to us. Make a provision from your wealth to give to the poor. Provide for yourselves money bags which don't deteriorate with use, where a thief can't get in, not even a clothes moth can destroy. For where your treasure is, there also is your heart. Many years ago, I was having a hard time sorting out what spiritual direction to go. I wondered where my heart was on some very real issues. While preparing a field to plant, as I dropped the plows into the ground one day, over the roar of the tractor, I plainly heard the Lord say, If you can't find your heart, go look for your treasure. Your heart will be laying around there somewhere. Again, where is your treasure? Mammon says to grab all you can. Get it for yourself and only share if it means an increase in your profit margin. Most wealthy people aren't wealthy because they are so generous, you know. And that amazingly cool guy that is a Christian music producer? Yeah, you know the one. That's the one who is so interested in your project. Remember, he probably doesn't drive a fancy car and have a suite on Hollywood and Vine because he's such a good guy. 1 Timothy 6, 7-9 For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Love says, be honest and just. Mammon says, cheat your own father if you can gain by it. It's always about what you can get, even if you have to step on the neck of the person in front of you. Love says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mammon says to not worry if it's true. Who cares if there's any honesty as long as you've got your legal paperwork done? No one really wants justice. Purity isn't relative today. It says, Life is most beautiful when you've got yours and theirs too. Always commend yourself first. Mammon says that having what you want when you want is true excellence. And always remember, you and only you are worthy of all praise. You are your own beginning and end. 
Mammon says we should constantly think of these things. God and mammon are completely opposed. Love says, be giving. Mammon says, hold tight to what you've got. Love says, open your hand, releasing the provision God has provided to those around you. Mammon says, let others fend for themselves. They'll get what they deserve, and it serves them right. The Lord says in Proverbs 25, 21, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Mammon says if your enemy is hungry, too bad, this is my food and water and you don't get any. Well, unless you want to work a deal, what have you got in mind? Jesus said in Luke 6.30, Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Mammon says, take from the one who begs, and from the one who steals, prosecute them until they drop and take all their stuff. In the meaning of things, the dictionary doesn't give significance to your words, nor is your content and context derived from some approving agency's board members sitting in their high places vowing and disavowing potential ministers and ministries. In the eyes of the Lord, we are not defined by our stuff, but by Christ who lives in our heart. If our hands are influenced by mammon, we will have shut up riches and closed hands. We will become narrow-eyed, tight-lipped, and our mind will become darkened and dull, thick-skinned toward the Lord. Now think, in Deuteronomy, that's why the Lord told Israel, don't even go up there to see how those guys do worship and praise. We're going to do it my way. Because the worship of the other gods was always about mammon. It was mean and cruel and vowed and disavowed people. It took their stuff and demanded more than people could give. God said, give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back, which is the opposite of the way the false gods did it, the not gods. In 2001, I was at church one Sunday, and as I walked out that afternoon, I had an open vision. In front of my face, as plain as day, I saw, in full technicolor, a man's hand. It was open, palm up, 
and had a nail hole at the heel of the hand. The open vision was only for a couple seconds and honestly, for a moment, I wasn't sure what had just happened and wondered if I had actually seen what I thought I had seen. When the vision happened, it was like a light blue wind pushed through my person and rocked me backward a little, but yet I had no understanding nor application for the vision. Well, only in the last few years have I begun to understand what I saw. The Lord has opened His hand to whomsoever will receive from Him. Matthew 10.8 Freely you have received, freely give. And Acts 20.35 The Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I believe somehow, on any average day, we typically find ourselves somewhere in the middle between love and mammon. On one hand, we have a heart to give, and on the other hand, we would really like to have something for ourselves. We say titles and validation don't matter, but secretly more than a few wish for those things. Friends, we need to balance the equation, so to speak. Open your hands and be generous as God is generous. Within us, we have conflicts on many levels which are being allowed to continue unchallenged. A question for us all. How has the love of stuff and idolatrous dedication to possessing whatever we can invaded our thinking and being? Love says, be anxious for nothing. Mammon says, be careful for everything. Luke 12, 22-23 And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. But Mammon says to watch every possession like a hawk, be greedy and closed-fisted with everything. The Lord denounces the blind watchman in Isaiah 56:11. Yes, they are greedy dogs which never have enough, and they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain, from his own territory. Do you see it? Driven by the insidious, cunning, deceitful way of death called mammon, 
those watchmen found themselves in opposition to God. We either have our feet on God's side or on Mammon's side, but we cannot straddle the divide with one foot on each side. It'll tear us apart and we end up in chaos and confusion. The contrast of love versus mammon was something I found in Matthew Henry's commentary. I was so impacted by what has been called the simplicity, strength, and pregnancies of the expressions in his short piece on God and mammon, I thought it valuable to bring it up at this juncture. Love says be careful for nothing. Mammon says be careful for everything. Love says be giving. Mammon says hold tight to what you've got. Love says be content with what you've got. Mammon says get everything you can by fair or foul. Love says be honest and just. Mammon says cheat your own father if you can gain by it. Love says give me your heart. Mammon says no, give it to me. There's a lot to think about there. I'm Social Porter, and this has been Outpost, a semi-live broadcast from the deck overlooking the cascading banks of the Oklawaha River, where the trees gently lean over the river's edge, and every evening is delightful and pleasant. Hopefully, we who listen have been stirred in our hearts to consider carefully where our devotions lay how and why we store up for ourselves the things we have and who we truly serve. This evening's broadcast is brought to you by Living in His Name Ministries, Hook, Line, and Sinker Video Works, Shot and Away for Fellowship, and, of course, Jeff and Karen of our beloved Trinity Bakers, where there's always something good in the oven. Music was provided by Lyle Joe. Martin, Sonny, Stuart, and the Yellow Jackets. The Lord calls each of us to be anxious for nothing, to be giving and content with what we've got, to be honest, to love the truth, and do justice, and above all, give the Lord our heart. We are bid to consider carefully, to choose this day whom you will serve. Friend, the ball is in your court. How do you plead? Be strong and courageous. Pray for your neighbor. Be a cheerful resource of hope and strength for those who are in short supply. And I'll talk to you later. Amen, amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.